food bloggers. Hi, how are you today? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. This is the place for food bloggers to get information and inspiration to accelerate your blog's growth and ultimately help you to achieve your freedom, whether that's financial, personal, or professional. I'm Megan Porta, and I've been a food blogger for over 12 years. I understand how isolating food blogging can be at times. I'm on a mission to motivate, inspire, and most importantly, let each and every food blogger, including you, know that you are heard and supported. Have you ever considered self-publishing a book or a cookbook? If so, and even if you haven't, you've got to listen to this episode because if you haven't, you will be convinced by the end that this is a project you should dive into. Matt Briel from Lulu joins me in this episode and he talks about how books are a great way to build your brand. Not only can they provide an extra way for people to consume your content, but they can also provide you with more business opportunities, which we'll get into inside the episode. Toward the end of the episode, he digs more into what Lulu is and what Lulu Direct is and how food bloggers can utilize these tools to get cookbooks published really quickly and really easily and in a way that you are not having half of your profits taken away from you. I know I was really excited at the end about completing a project like this. So hopefully you find this inspiring as well, especially if you are looking to diversify your revenue and projects going into Q4 2023 and beyond. This is episode number 424, sponsored by Rank IQ. Food bloggers, real quick, want to hop in to tell you about an exciting opportunity for all of you travel lovers out there. A lot of you foodies are also big on exploring our country. If you plan on exploring New York City anytime soon, this might be a great opportunity for you. And if part of your audience relates to travel, they could benefit from this as well. The New York City Borough Pass is the best way to experience the unique cultures and stories of New York City. This sightseeing pass for sustainable cultural travel provides access to a diverse roster of attractions, tours, and performing arts venues in each of the five boroughs of New York City like the Alice Austin House Museum, where you can explore the life of the LGBTQ icon, or the 250-acre New York Botanical Garden that houses over 1 million living plants, or the City Reliquary Museum with its quirky and hyper-local New York City collections. The best part? Eat Blog Talk listeners receive a 10% off of 1, 3, 7, and 90-day options with the code EATBLOGNYC, so you can choose the perfect duration for your adventure in the city. What are you waiting for? Get your New York City Borough Pass today and discover the beauty of the people and places that make New York City one of the world's most vibrant and exciting destinations. Go to nycboroughpass.com to get yours now. nycboroughpass.com. Use code EATBLOGNYC. Commonly described as equal parts loud music, Disney culture, tattoos, and book nerd, Matt Briel is an entrepreneur and the vice president of marketing and communications at lulu.com. After more than 15 years leading sales and marketing teams in the media and publishing spaces, he has developed a unique passion for helping creators become more successful by leveraging books as a catalyst for opportunities and sustainable revenue. Matt, thank you so much for joining me. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Megan. Good. We're going to talk about publishing a book to grow your business and do many other things for your business, hopefully. But first, we want to hear if you have a fun fact. 
fun is probably a different definition for everybody. But a fun fact about me is that I love the actual process of uh, starting a business and creating something. So the the physical and creative act of starting a business from from beginning, ideation, genesis, however you want to refer to it. To me, that is the most exciting thing in the world is to <laughs> to start a business mm-hmm. and create something, and then you know all the things that transpire after that are you know I kind of lose a little bit of, <laughs> of 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 my love there. But I just love being involved in starting things, starting businesses, and creative projects and endeavors. So. I created my first company or business when I was in high school. It was a skateboard company, and that's how I made, you know, I didn't necessarily work regular jobs. Uh, sometimes I did, but, you know, I had my own skateboard company that my father helped me with, and, and my father was an entrepreneur, so that helped. And I've had lots of other businesses along the way, but, and then the same for my kids. Like, I really pushed them to be, they're all creative, so I'm really lucky. They all paint, and draw, and do fun things, but I just love the the, the process of creating and, and starting businesses. I've been encouraging, so I have a son who's 13 and he just like, he ha- I can see he has that entrepreneurial mm-hmm. gene, that spirit. And so I encourage him, but I don't want to push it because then I feel like he's just going to have a block to it. Like, no, I'm not going to do it because you <laughs> tell me to. So I'm trying to be, I don't know, like writing that balance between encouraging and pushing. Do you know what I mean? It's really hard. Yeah. So I have twins that are turning 13 oh. uh, next month, actually. Okay. And they're both, again, very creative into painting. Their big thing right now, which is really fun, is they're really into graffiti and they're very good at it. So my garage obviously is covered oh, in graffiti. That's awesome. Can't let but uh, the way that I get around some of what you just said with them in general, but also with that, is that um, I kind of try to just show them the benefits or the results of it. Like they're at that age where they really want money or they want new shoes. or So, you know, it's more less pushing them to be entrepreneurial and do the things that you should do as an entrepreneur and more about like, Hey, these are the benefits of the results. If you, you know, have fun doing this. And yeah. I think that that's really helped because you're right. I always thought that I would be the cool dad because I'm covered in tattoos and things like that. And that they would want to do whatever I wanted them to do, <laughs> but they, it's the exact opposite. You're right. So yeah. you can't push too hard. My son is so strong-willed, so I literally can't say anything that he'll agree with. Like, I could say, let's go to Disney World tomorrow, and he'd be like, like, total opposite. So we have to, like, play mind games with him a little bit. I will go to Disney World tomorrow with you. Anytime. (laughs) All right. Sweet. (laughs) Hopping on a plane. Okay. So, Matt, you are, I hope I get this right, but you're the Vice President of Marketing and Communications at Lulu, correct? On a good day, yes. On a good day, okay. So we're going to get into what Lulu is in a little bit, but first, let's talk about kind of books in general and how they can help to build food bloggers' businesses, really. So what would you say, how are books a great way to build a brand? Because we all have these brands. Yeah, absolutely. And this is my favorite topic, so this is an easy one. It's actually a pretty long list, but I'll just stick to a couple of the most beneficial ones and and the ones I think your audience will benefit from. And there's several things that a book can do for you. So, you know, increasing visibility of your brand, that's an easy one. Having a book out there with your name or your brand name on it, that's, that's a pretty obvious one. But what a lot of people don't think about is the amount of credibility and authority that brings to you and your brand, having literally written 
or wrote the book on that particular subject or genre. I think a lot of people have already heard it a lot, but books are the new business card is a thing that gets thrown around a lot these days on LinkedIn and some other places. Um, but it's true. Like, you know, having a book is much better than handing somebody a business card or, or saying, hey, I'm good at this or I do this or you should follow me because of this. If you've literally got a book in your hand that you wrote, that's a much better intro or segue. Books are really great for, especially in the arena of food blogging and some of the other blogging verticals, for monetizing your content. For a lot of people who have not sort of tackled that yet, it's one of the easiest ways to monetize your content. And you've already got written content as a blogger. So it's a really easy transition. Many others struggle with how to productize what they're doing. Like they don't know how to how to make a product out of what they're doing. They might have a really great blog and a newsletter uh, subscriber list of, you know, however many people, but no tangible product yet. And they're struggling to figure that out. So books are also a great way to do that. And then one of the really great things too for food bloggers specifically is books create that physical touch point for all of your digital fans. And so you have people that you are connected with digitally through your blog and, and a lot of your other efforts. And if you're lucky, you get to see them at you know events or conferences, but creating that physical touch point for them by way of a book, whether it's a cookbook or something like that, is is a great way to continue sort of building your community around your content. I think all of those things are definitely points that food bloggers want to hear. Those are all things we want. We want increased visibility, authority, monetization, touch points. So yeah, it all sounds great, but I think a hangup in our space is a couple. So <laughs> we have content on our blogs, like you mentioned, and a lot of people hesitate to recreate that con- or take that content and turn it into a physical book. Do you know what I mean? So they yeah. think that they're like duping people or being mm-hmm. sneaky or something like that. What do you say about that? Well, I think I think it's not just in the genre of food blogging, but I can mm-hmm. see where that might be a prevalent one. I don't think there's any real validity to that though, because you could actually apply that to a lot of other areas or, you know, just about any industry or genre, you're going to have people who are out there trying to lead the lead the charge and and they do feel some of that, you know, either imposter syndrome or just again like you said that idea that you might be you feel like you might be duping somebody nothing's further from the truth there and again if you're working hard to build a follower base or a group of fans and and you have people that that come consistently to read your blog or your newsletter every time that we've seen somebody launch a product as a book it's been met with open arms from their community and they've never really had that we've seen or heard from, you know, feedback come back in the way of, oh, this is a sham or, or what do you do? Like, the, you know, I could just access this on your blog or I could get this from anywhere. It's the number one way to really separate to just the, the curious eyeballs from the people who really truly want to support what you're doing because they find what you're doing is valuable for them. So I think some of that stems from a deeper place where a lot of creators and entrepreneurs do often feel this sort of imposter syndrome. I think that's natural, though, and I think that's probably what's sort of pushing those other thoughts to the surface about maybe duping people. But yeah. in general, you know, we are, I'll say a nation, but really a, a, we're a world right now that really embraces individual creators. And, and we've seen that now more than we ever have. And I'll share some statistics with you, you know, now or later about, you know, just food blogging content in general, where you can see, you know, clearly from from 2020 on, you know, the onset of COVID where where people were home a lot and, and all these other things were happening where, you know, people really want to support individual creators. 
Yeah, that is so true. And I think it's mostly a mindset block that we individually have to get over because Mm -hmm. people do want to support us and they love our content and like we just have to get past that. (laughs) But it's easier said than done, right? That's true. Yes. I have a blogger friend who I'm just going to say her blog because I will probably reference her a few times, Monica from The Hidden (laughs) Veggies. She's amazing, but she actually uses Lulu on some level because she was creating these amazing ebooks for people mm-hmm. and people were like, well, I kind of want a physical book and mm-hmm. mostly content from her blog. I think she does have some exclusive recipes, but yeah, it's mostly just taken from her blog and transferred to the ebook. And as an experiment, she started creating the physical books and they do really well. Like she was shocked that she sells quite a few of them. So I think this is something to experiment with if you, I mean, if you're a content creator, really. Yeah. And again, back to what we were talking about earlier. Yes, of course, a lot of this content is going to exist on your blog or your podcast or whatever your medium of choice is. But you know, for food bloggers specifically, of course, somebody can go back and open their laptop or their phone and pull up your blog and then access that recipe or that article they remember that you posted six months ago. But all of that sounds complicated already coming out of my mouth. What if they could just pull your book off their shelf in their Mm -hmm. kitchen or their living room and flip right to that page? I mean, so forget about, you know, the supporting of any creators or, or the other. I mean, from a sheer practicality sense, like just having that immediate physical touch point and access to that information is valuable to a lot of people who are considered your fans. Yeah, that's so true. People like having that physical thing in their hands to look at, especially when it comes to cookbooks, I think. So what are your thoughts about traditionally publishing a cookbook versus self-publishing? My thoughts will be mixed, obviously. And and clearly, of course, the caveat here is that I work for a self-publishing company and I believe in it wholeheartedly. But, you know, traditional publishing in general, whether it's for, you know, the food genre, whether that's health, wellness, nutrition or cooking, has generally not been that nice to those creators over the years. And and what I mean by that is we talk to people all the time and we know people who've had traditional book contracts for their their cookbooks or their food-based or food parallel books. And, and typically what happens is what you get back from your publisher is not what you turned into them. <laughs> to put it bluntly, more times than not, the cover's completely different. A lot of the wording has changed. The formatting has changed. Some of the integrity of the work that you've created has has obviously then changed. From a financial standpoint, it's definitely not what it used to be. And even back in the heydays of publishing, you know, cookbook creators and or food related content creators, they didn't get those huge advance payouts like, you know, fiction writers did or other people. So these days, your advance is small, probably won't advance out of it. It's just not a very easy scenario for the average content creator to pursue. And it's it's really just, an unse- I'd say, an unnecessary path these days. Mm-hmm. Self-publishing sort of takes down all those barriers to entry. But more importantly, it just gives you total control. And that's the that's the biggest thing these days is if you're, you're a content creator, a food blogger, you're trying to build that audience and hopefully you're, you're doing a good job of it. But when you hand that control over to somebody else, whether that's creative control or control over your sales channels or any of those other aspects of your business, you're basically taking a, a negative step. You're going backwards two steps from the work you've been doing to build that audience to sustain yourself long-term. So, you know, I would push self-publishing over traditional publishing any day. 
And I love to have those conversations with people. But when you start doing the math and you start thinking about the long-term sustainability of what you're doing, especially if your goals are to do this long-term, it's not a good avenue to pursue. I know a lot of food bloggers who have self-published very successfully, like sold so many copies. And like you said, they've had complete control over their content. Everything looks exactly the way they want it. So I don't know. I I have traditionally published. It was not my favorite experience in my lifetime. <laughs> if I published again, it would definitely be self-publishing. I will say, you know, there is an opportunity there with traditional publishing. If, if your sole goal for that particular project is you just want to get your name out there in a way that you might not be able to do so quickly through your own methods, mm, and you're point. offered a very appealing and lucrative contract, and, <laughs> and you've paid very close attention to the contracts and you retain most of the rights, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but those are few and far between these days. They really are. And again, most of what we hear from people who were traditionally published for cookbooks or books that were, you know, again, adjacent to the food space over the last 10 years have just basically been just shy of horror stories for the most part. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, unfortunately. And when you self publish, you can kind of go on your own timeline. You don't have to Mm -hmm. adhere to someone else's ridiculous. My timeline was like four months, 75. (laughs) unique recipes in four months. And I've told this story on the podcast before, but I like that period of time for me was followed by this wave of depression that I've never, I mean, it was a horrible time in my life. So I associate publishing a book with horrible feelings. Oh, that's (laughs) terrible. I would like to rewrite that story someday. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, just just that alone, like hearing you say 75 unique recipes in such a short period of time, like the first thing I think is burnout. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. It's just, yeah, that's terrible. But I, I I promise you it's, you know, being able to go at your own pace. And, and yeah. like you said, you sort of retain all that creative control. It, it's a much different experience. And when you combine that with all of the technology that exists now for being able to sell direct, print on demand, even using artificial intelligence, using chat GPT to help with certain things, Man, it's just a, it's a completely different ballgame now. Hey, food bloggers. Whether you are a foodie podcaster or just a food blogger who doesn't yet have a podcast, you might be looking to spice up your social media account with unique and exciting content. If you want that secret edge that makes you stand out in your niche, I might have the answer for you. Katarina from Creators Abroad can help you streamline your podcasting and or social media endeavors with audio editing, video editing, or social media strategies. She specializes in working with food bloggers, tailoring her content creation packages to their needs. Whether you want to explore something new like creating a gripping podcast, or if you want to refresh your social media strategies by creating scroll-stopping video content for platforms like Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, she has got you covered. If this sounds intriguing, get in touch with Katarina. Receive a 10% discount off your first purchase by using the code EBT101. Offer lasts until September 1st, 2023. Go to eblogtalk.com forward slash resources to get more information about Katarina's services. Again, eblogtalk.com forward slash resources and click on Katarina's link. Now let's get back to the episode. 
And don't you think that having a book, especially for food bloggers, it's filled with really awesome, high-quality recipes and information. It's a way to not just grow your blog, but I see it as a way to find other opportunities in your business. Like if you have a book, you kind of touched on this earlier, people take you more seriously. So you might get speaking gigs or, you know, you can use it in other ways outside of just your blog growth. Yeah, 100%. You know, within within this vertical of food blogging and outside of that, by the way, one of the biggest things we hear from people is that, you know, conferences and events and, and things are really big again, you know, with, with travel opening back up. And we were all just a tastemaker not too long ago. People really want to do that. They want to be able to do some speaking or, or give a session or be involved somehow. And, and you really do need that extra uh, piece of, of credibility of validation and, and and above and beyond that though having that book not only gives you those things and gives you that sort of leg up to get your foot in the door in some cases it's required so there's a lot of conferences and events where when they're looking for speakers or when you've applied to be a speaker or a session holder uh, if you don't have a book they won't you won't make it past the application mm-hmm. level. And it doesn't matter these days if it's traditionally published or self-published, but if you don't have a book, you're not going to make it past the front door. That goes for podcast guesting as well. Like if you want a spot on some of the bigger podcasts, I think like having a book is credibility there as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it makes sense to a degree. Like we don't like gatekeeping in general, right? But you know, there has to be some in some cases. And if that's the one and it is, fairly easy these days to to do it, then, you know, <laughs> I can kind of get on board with that a little bit. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to touch on? I want to ask you a little bit about Lulu, but I want to make sure that we've covered everything about just the general topic of publishing a book for food bloggers being a, a great business approach. Yeah, absolutely. You know, back to what you were saying a little bit earlier with, with regards to, you know, this sort of feeling that, oh, publishing a book feels like I might be duping my fans or followers. And then some of the other things we were saying, this sort of genre, this vertical of food blogging has experienced such explosive growth over the last three years. And so that's good and bad, mostly good. And it, it should serve as kind of a, a benchmark or, or not even a benchmark. I'd say a green flag being raised out there for all of your listeners and, and people who are food bloggers that there is an appetite for this content especially in printed form. It's it's a proven, I mean, our numbers alone, you know, from just from 2019 to 2020, the end of 2020, there was a 200% increase in the amount of books that came through Lulu to be published that were labeled either cookbooks or food and nutrition related books, which is massive. Like we've never seen a jump like that. And sales numbers alone were very very sort of close to that. And then since that point in 2020, over the last three years, we continually see 30 to 40% growth year over year, just for that category of book. So it's not, this isn't just sort of hyperbole or or people saying, yeah, you can do it. You can do it. Like these are legitimate metrics and statistics. And that's just for Lulu. Imagine, you know, if you didn't use Lulu and you were using somebody else, that's probably very similar. But the point is, you know, the appetite is there for that content. It's there. People want it. And, and I think that creating that that physical touch point and using 
these types of tools and technology, it's it is easy to get your content out there and be a part of that that marketplace. So I love that diversifying revenue and projects is more important than ever with, you know, AI is coming up and there are some concerns with, are we going to lose traffic and blah, blah. I mean, I could go on and on about that. Mm -hmm. So I think that considering this as an avenue for just adding additional income to your business and an additional valuable product to be able to give to people is so huge. So I think this is a really relevant topic and I love what you said about there's an appetite for it. So knowing that Plus, knowing that we should probably be diversifying is like, it's kind of a no-brainer. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I have some questions about Lulu. So would you mind just kind of describing what Lulu is for my audience? Yeah, absolutely. So at our core, Lulu is a self-publishing company. We were started in 2002. And since then, we've just continued to grow and innovate. But again, at our core, we are a self-publishing company. People use us to publish books on any number of topics, you know, from fiction and poetry all the way through to, you know, manuals on how to fix certain types of automobiles or airplanes. We utilize print-on-demand technology, which means books are only printed as they're ordered. So it's a little bit better for the environment. And we are a B Corp, which means we adhere to some of the strictest social and environmental standards that a business can be held to. And we take that one very seriously. But again, you know, at our core, we are a self-publishing company. And most of the work we've been doing over the last five years has really been in the space to increase the availability of e-commerce tools and access for creators to be able to sell their content direct and cut out all of the third-party middlemen like you know, Amazon and some of the other third-party retailers where you would normally just publish your book and put it up for sale. Okay. And Lulu Express, I know you guys are, it's part of Lulu and that is turning into something else. Would you explain what that is? Yeah. So originally Lulu Express was a, a part of the business we created years ago as an initial test for something we've already delivered now. But it was just a way for people to very quickly who didn't necessarily want to publish the book out to the public into a, a retail market. Maybe they just wanted to take their book, upload it and order 500 copies for themselves for an event or something like that. So at Lulu Express, you'd literally go in and upload your files and then place an order for however many books you needed. So it was more about book printing vehicle versus publishing and distribution. What we've done is we took Lulu Express. We wanted to take that concept and turn that into selling direct or having the ability to sell direct with the same sort of ease and convenience of Express. And so Lulu Express has kind of morphed into Lulu Direct. And all that really means is that anybody that was using Lulu Express by the end of this month, they'll automatically be redirected to just log into a standard Lulu account. All of their files are already there. Nothing's really changed. It's going to look primarily the same, but now they'll also have access to all of the tools needed to sell direct, all of the tools needed if they wanted to sell on Amazon or some of those other marketplaces, which we can facilitate. So yeah, it just kind of turned into Lulu Direct. And then for Lulu Direct, what integrations are there as far as like getting sales? Yeah. So right now, Lulu Direct offers plugins for Shopify, WooCommerce, which covers all the WordPress users. We will be pushing out integrations for Wix, Zapier, and a few other e-commerce platforms over the next six months. And then we also have a direct open source print API. So for those that have a little bit of developer knowledge or access to a developer or are just very technically inclined, you can actually just take your existing website and connect to our print network directly using that print API. 
the benefits to using Lulu Director API and kind of how that works is basically what that means is every time somebody bought one of your books from you on your site, whether you're using Shopify or WordPress or whatever, that order data just gets transmitted to us directly on the back end and we print and ship that book out for you. So you're not doing the packing and the shipping or any of that. It's all automated behind the scenes through us. And the best part about this is we white label all of that. So you can upload whatever you want your package data to say. So it could be coming from, you know, eat blog talk, not Lulu. And that helps people really sort of continue to grow their brand and awareness of their brand so that their customers are receiving their cookbooks or, or whatever book it might be from them, not from the Lulu necessarily. Okay. So why would someone pick Lulu or Lulu direct over Amazon? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And that's the main one we get asked all the time. And the number one answer for that, or or the most valuable answer is that using Lulu Direct or just selling direct in general, but hopefully using Lulu Direct, you keep all of your customer data. And and that is the most important thing that you could possess as as a brand owner, as an entrepreneur, as a creator, is that customer data, because that's how you'll continue to grow and build your business and your revenue streams. When you use a third-party retailer like Amazon or anybody else for that matter, they keep all that customer data, and that's their real business. So you might have already had a book on Amazon and sold, you know, whatever amount, let's say 10,000 copies over the last few years. That's great. Chances are you probably pushed most of the people to Amazon to buy the book, so it's not like they generated a lot of traffic for you. And on top of that, you have zero knowledge of who those 10,000 buyers are none. And so when your next book comes out, which hopefully it does, you don't have that list of 10,000 buyers to go out to and remarket and say, hey, hopefully you love my first one. I've got another one dropping soon. You don't have any of that data. And so the most valuable thing you gain by using Lulu Direct is your customer data. Secondarily, obviously, you keep all of your profits instead of splitting them with Amazon. Do you know that I have no idea what the Amazon split profit split is? Is it high for Amazon or... It's rough. I actually just made a post on LinkedIn the other day where I broke this down. And obviously, it's caused a little bit of of controversy Uh with some people. I mean, there's a lot of people who really just think Amazon is the bee's knees for them. And it might be, but chances are it's not. So I'll I'll give you the same breakdown. If you had written, you know, a small cookbook, let's say uh, we'll use the size that I used for the example, which is a six by nine, 100 pages, you know, and you set the price at $15.99 for retail. If you sell that book on Amazon at $15.99, what you're going to walk away with after Amazon takes their distribution and manufacturing cuts, you're going to walk away with $7.44 of that $15.99 and zero customer data. If you sell it direct to your customers using Lulu Direct, what you're going to walk away with in profit is $11.19 and all of the customer data from that transaction. So you're going to make you know, (laughs) about $5 more off the book. And you're going to keep that customer data so you can remarket to them and build build that audience that you're working to build. So their cut is not insignificant by any means. And in that example, what Amazon walks away with is $6.40 in distribution fees, which I'm putting in air quotes, but you can't see that. (laughs) And then obviously the cost to manufacture and ship the book. Okay. From what I've heard, Lulu Express now, Lulu Direct is super easy to use as well. Do you hear that from your customers a lot? 
most of the time, I, I don't want to get on here and just paint this too good to be true picture. It is obviously too good to be true in some cases. So you have to, mainly when it comes to book covers, right? The old adage, can't judge a book by its cover is completely false. So if you're not design oriented, you definitely want to get some help with that book cover. And so there can, there, there, there can be a few little things where, you know, again, uploading a book cover might be a little bit complicated if you've not created a cover before, or if you're just, again, not artistically inclined, get a little bit of help with that. Things like that where it comes to making sure the, the interior file, so the inside of your book, is formatted in a way that's pleasing to your end user. Again, if you're not design oriented, you're definitely going to want to get a little bit of help with that. The good news is, you know, freelancers are everywhere and and there's a lot of experienced freelancers out there with creating books and it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. So you, you very easily could, could spend, you know, a small amount of money and, and put out one of the most beautiful cookbooks on the planet. Mm -hmm. And it is relatively easy. Yes. The steps are a, it's free. So we don't charge any upfront fees. We get paid when the books print and sell. So that makes it easy out of the gate. You're not going to pay a bunch of money up front to us at all, ever. And then it's just a matter of uploading your files. You have two files, your interior and your cover file. Once those are uploaded and and they pass through the system as approved and everything looks good, you just order a proof copy. We encourage everybody to order a proof copy. (laughs) I don't care how good you are. You should never hit that publish button (laughs) uh, without having held the physical copy of your book. Right. But again, you know, you're talking print on demand, very inexpensive to order one copy of your book, get it in your hands, make sure you like it. And then if it's all good, you know, push that thing out to the general public and start singing the praises of it. And, and hopefully those sales are coming in. But yeah, it's pretty easy. I'm sold. I'm like, my wheels are turning now. Like, what can I create <laughs> tomorrow? <Everything. laughs> yeah. What would you say to the question just like, this is too overwhelming. How do I even get started with something like this? Yeah. And again, I don't want to come on and paint a picture like this is just snap your fingers and it's done. It can be very overwhelming, especially again, for people who, who are still trying to tackle the idea of monetization or productization. You know, this is all new and foreign and it can get overwhelming very quickly, but we have a great team of people here who love to help and There's a lot of work we don't do here for you because we are a self-publishing company, but any of that work that we won't do for you, we've already vetted some really great freelancers and people who can do it for you if you need it. But just the general logistics and mechanics of how to do this, we have a great team of people here that'll sit on the phone or, you know, chat or via email with you, help you get through it every step of the way until you're comfortable with the final product. Is there anything else you want to leave us with as far as just encouraging people to dig into a project like this or anything about Lulu? Yeah, I think, you know, again, just people who are serious about, you know, this. And I know a lot of people start doing blogs or podcasts or things like that. It starts as a hobby or, you know, a quote unquote side hustle. But again, the appetite is real for this type of content. And and the, the sooner you sort of tackle the monetization and business side of what you're doing, you know, if you want to do this long term, the better off you're going to be and making use of, of the tools that exist right now and not being afraid to just jump in and do it. That's really how you're going to springboard. You know, one of my favorite quotes, because I'm a Disney freak, is from Walt Disney. And, and I love this quote and I try to live by it. And it's he says, the way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing like just just jump in and do it. And if you need help, reach out and find people to help you. 
there are groups, like you said, you've got a mastermind group. There are groups everywhere that deal with this type of activity. You know, the, the platforms or technology that you find that you want to use along the way, they more often than not have resources or can point you in the direction of resources. People are doing it. And like you said earlier, people are making a lot of money doing it. And more importantly, they're they're adding a lot of value to their life in the way of freedom and flexibility and not being tied to a cubicle anymore or, you know, having more time to spend with family or going on vacations. And, you know, again, you just got to jump in and do it. So. I think that's the probably the best advice I could give is don't be afraid of it. Jump in and do it. Well, you just closed all by yourself. I was going to ask you for a quote, but you just did that naturally. So thank you, Matt. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Save me some sorry. work. No, that was amazing. That was an awesome way to end. So thank you for all of this. We really appreciate all the value you shared here today. Thanks for having me, Megan. It, yeah. it was fun. Yeah, this was fun. We'll put together show notes and we'll put all of the information that we talked about today inside of those. You can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash Lulu to find those. Can you tell everyone where to find you, Matt? And also, I was trying to find as we were talking Lulu Direct and I wasn't sure if that, like where exactly to find that part of Lulu. But yeah, just explain all of that to us. Yeah, sure. So Lulu Direct is basically just a part of Lulu. So if you go to lulu.com, at the top, you'll see a link that'll, that'll say sell on your site. So that's what gets uh, you to Lulu okay. Direct is when you want to sell on your own site. You can find me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm at most of the time. I don't spend a lot of time on on Twitter or some of the others. But you can find me on LinkedIn under forward slash map real. And again, you know, lulu.com is the main entry point. We do have a separate landing page set up for people who are specifically interested in using publishing to grow their business. And that is publishedforgrowth.com. Okay. Awesome. Everyone go check it out. And thanks again, Matt, for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you posted it to your social media feed and stories. I will see you next time.